Gnome. G-N-O-M-E. Nothing personal. Word of the day, Friday, June 4th, 2021. Thank you for taking a break from the 24 hours of Levitard to download and listen to Nothing Personal. Or you could be watching it on YouTube. Coke and I are figuring that we may go live. We were going to go live on YouTube today. And I could do 24 hours straight. I don't need a billboard. I don't need a thousand guests. I could just talk for 24 hours back and forth with Coca in my ear. We could do it. Maybe we should do that, Coca. 24 straight, nothing personal episodes. God knows there's enough content to do it. No means a legendary dwarfish creature supposed to guard the Earth's treasures underground. You guys know that I go on Levitard. Maybe you don't. Every week. Every week. I didn't even get the price of gas. But every week I go on Levitar. We have fun. I enjoy it. But I don't like when it gets personal. And I have no idea why he would call me a gnome. I, I think it's pretty public that I'm five foot five. Haha, <laughs> I'm really five foot four and seven eighths, but I rounded up. And he's not. He's like 6'10, 350. And why he would resort to calling me names in an era when he could be canceled like that, where we're all one word away. And he drops a gnome on me. It's outrageous. I'm not as angry as people think about not being on the billboard, though. I mean, they did put everybody on the billboard. Everyone who Levitard's ever met is on the billboard for their 24-hour show that starts at noon on Friday the 4th. That's today and goes till noon on Saturday. And the reason I'm not on the billboard is that I'm not going on the show, according to Levitard. But I got a small little surprise, little secret, just for you, nothing personal listeners. And we've got our own army that we're building. And we're taking on Levitard. I'm going to interrupt one of their shows. I just haven't figured out which. Because I found a way to get the login information to get onto their show. Because on Thursdays, when I'm on every week, they send it to me. And it's the same login information that I use every week. I'm going to use it again. I just don't know when I'm going to do it. And I need to think of a time when Levitard's not there or Stu or Ryan. There's got to be a time during the, they're not going to talk for 24 hours. I can talk for 24 hours. Those guys can't. What the hell would they talk about anyway? I don't like being called a gnome. I don't mind being called short, diminutive. I was called that once. I always thought that was a pejorative word, but I don't think it is. I was going to use that as the word of the day, except I think we've already used it. So my word of advice to you, don't get upset. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You can't hurt me, Dan, because I'm here with Coca at CBS doing nothing personal every day. All I know is that you should listen for the following line over the next 24 hours. I am your captain now. I do not have a self-inflated sense of where I fit in the Levitard orbit. I promise you that. We're building our own universe here. I love our universe. So much stuff to talk about every day. It's why we come to you every day, 45 minutes a day, except one of these days when we have something crazy good to launch. Maybe once we get to like 100,000 followers, real followers, not having bought any like everybody else does. I'm never going to buy a follower. I'm going to earn your follow on Twitter at David P. Sampson or on Instagram at David P. Sampson. Instagram's a little more personal. I put pictures on there, stuff I'm doing. Twitter's more business slash personal. 
Maybe when we get to 100,000 followers, Coco, we'll do a 24-hour show. Just you and I. Just you and I. You know who's sleeping right now and not listening to the show live? Right now. Sleeping. LeBron. I wonder whether he's dreaming of a day off today. I wonder whether he's despondent being eliminated in the first round for the first time in his career. 14 years in the playoffs, never eliminated in the first round. This year it happened. And they were the defending champion. I looked last night at my wait to sees, which we keep track of here, and I couldn't find a way to see that the Lakers were not going to repeat as champions. We have the Dodgers not repeating. I don't know why I didn't do the Lakers won't repeat as champions. The only way to see I had about the Lakers is they would beat the Suns. And that was before they played their game seven, their play-in game, not game seven, their play-in game before facing the Suns. I can't remember who they played. I think they beat the Warriors. And I said, the winner of that series will lose to the, will beat the Suns in the first round. That's a no. That was on May 20th two weeks ago. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, but I'm going to revisit it. I was watching the Lakers and the Suns, and I'm looking at Devin Booker. And the only thing I could think of while watching Devin Booker, it's the weirdest thing. He had 47 points. He couldn't miss. But all I could think about was keeping up with the Kardashians and whether or not he is actually going to get involved with the Kardashian family. And that will be the end of his career. Whether it's Lamar Odom or Chris Humphreys, or Tristan Thompson. I'm just wondering what would be the result. Devin Booker is not that famous. He's going to become more famous if he ever appears on the show or marries a Kardashian. I can't remember whether he's dating a Kardashian or a Jenner or something in between. But what I do know is this. He is dating Kendall Jenner. Thank you, Coca. Now, is Kendall Jenner Bruce Jenner's child, now Caitlyn Jenner, with Chris Kardashian? Or is it two of Jenner's kids before he married Kardashian. Oh, I have a thought. Who cares? What I care about is that Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns are a better team than the Lakers, and the question is why? How did that happen when the Phoenix Suns last year were being talked about as an absolute mess? I think it was Barkley who said no one should be forced to play on Phoenix. He said to Devin Booker, get out of there as fast as you can. Meanwhile, they're now the number two seed going to the second round. And LeBron's going home. And I'm watching LeBron remembering his days in Miami when I was lucky enough to see him so much. We were so lucky to have him in Miami when we had him. Four straight finals appearances, two titles. I mean, that's just luck having him in his prime. Father time is again undefeated. And people are going to be upset. But LeBron's getting older. He just is. He's 36, 37 years old. He can't carry a team anymore. He can't compete against the 22, 23, 24-year-olds who can run like whirling dervishes around him. He needs help. And the help with the max contract was supposed to be Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis somehow was cleared to play. I want to mention how that works. He gets checked out by the doctor. If we have a player who's ready to come back, we have the doctor and the trainer check him out. There's a checklist of things that the player has to do. A, a what is the word, Coca? Milestones the player has to hit in order to be cleared to play. Sometimes we'd go into the training room and say, I'm not sure whether he has passed those milestones, but we need him. He's playing today. And the medical team will say, well, I'm not so sure he's ready. And we'd say, is he ready? Because you better put in the file that he's ready. I don't want to have any litigation or any issues saying that he wasn't ready and we put him in and then he got hurt and then he was in trouble and his career ended. We got to say he's ready. 
Am I saying that we manipulated the medical records in violation of HIPAA? No. What I'm saying is we cataloged the fact that we all thought he was ready, and that thought would often come from the front office with a total combined medical experience of zero days. But when you're in baseball for 18 years, you become like a team trainer. You can rub out a shoulder. <laughs> it's a shoulder, Coco, relax. You can figure out how to deal with hamstrings. You can look at obliques and backs and thighs and elbows and shoulders. Oh, my. And say, oh, I don't think he should be playing. He's got incentives in his contract. He's not ready. Ooh, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's definitely ready. We're not keeping him. Anthony Davis, they got to be careful with. He's their franchise. And somehow he was cleared to play. Can't be by the doctors if you watched him play. He played five minutes. It was sad. And the Lakers just didn't have enough. Not even close to enough. It wasn't even close. So LeBron takes the stand after the game. Part of the job. You got to meet the media. You think he wanted to meet the media after that game? Absolutely N-O triple T. But he meets the media. And I'm not MFing mental health. So stop. I'm just saying... You got a job to do, do your job. Believe me, I'm the biggest advocate of mental health out there. Look at me. Of course I'm an advocate of it. So LeBron takes the stand, raises his right hand and says, mm, I'm tired. I need some time off. The bubble really got to me. Then this season after 71 off days and that's it, we started the season we were traveling back and forth within COVID protocols, four games and five nights, six games and eight nights, 10 games and 14 nights, blah, blah. I was hurt, my ankle. We didn't have our team together. It was one excuse after another. I don't blame LeBron for making excuses. That's what all superstars do when they lose. They're not gonna lose graciously. They can't because what makes them the greatest is that they don't lose graciously. What makes them the greatest, although he's the second greatest, what makes him the second greatest player of all time is his competitive spirit and his desire not to ever lose. And when it happens, it is not because he got beaten. It's because he beat himself. But there's a theme running through the NBA right now. I was thinking back to the bubble when the Lakers beat the Nuggets in the conference finals. And the Heat beat the Bucks in the conference finals. Although that may not have happened. I can't remember who the Heat beat. The Heat beat the Celtics. Thank you, Coca. And I was looking for the Celtics. Couldn't find them. The Heat can't find them. First round losers. Lakers can't find them. First round losers. Nuggets without Jamal Murray have found a way to win. They won the series by beating Portland, who loses in the first round every year. That was a slam dunk. And I'm looking at Jokic. And for some reason, he doesn't look tired. Porter, Rivers, Nuggets are a good team. And I was wondering that, did the bubble have an impact all the way through this season, the way the Celtics said, and Danny Ainge, and Pat Riley, and LeBron James, and et cetera, all these teams that were good last year saying they're not good this year, and here's why. It's not that other teams got better, it's that we got more tired. So I started thinking, did the NBA know this? Did the people who set the lines, the series lines know this? They couldn't have because the Lakers were favored over the Suns, a seven seed over a two seed. And then I'm thinking, did the NBA actually care? And the answer is no. The NBA had one job to do and they did it. They had to get through the bubble season. They had to get to a champion. 
Then they had one job to do. They had to get to an NBA champion this year as quickly as they can so they can go back to the regular schedule in 2021-22 season. And I have not read anywhere whether or not they're going to start the season on time and end on time next year, but they will. TV requires that. Remember all the talk during the pandemic when all the sports were on at once after they were all off and then they were all being played at once and everyone said, hey, why don't we just switch the calendar? Everyone can play at once. This is great. This is exciting. That didn't last. We told you that wouldn't last. There's a reason for the live sports calendar that is programmed by the networks and now by Bezos. It is done because there is a rhythm of the year. There is a reason why certain sports are played at certain times. That's not changed. The pandemic did not change that. It just put a temporary halt to it. So what I'm looking for now is what the Lakers are going to do this offseason. LeBron had two possibilities last night. He could have called out Rob Palenka. He could have called out Jenny Buss, Jeannie Buss, and saying, hey, we, we need more. We don't have enough. I need some help. But he didn't go that way. He said he trusted Rob to make the team better. But what really needs to happen is health. LeBron never used to talk about that. He didn't need health. He just needed to be on the court. Not enough anymore. That's it for the Lakers. You know, uh, LeBron did not talk about this last night. And for all of you excited for the Tokyo Olympics, which I think are happening, although they just lost 10,000 out of 80,000 volunteers. They've got COVID going crazy. They're barely vaccinating anybody. But the show's, the show's going on. I wonder what the team will uh, look like for the uh, U.S. basketball team. If I'm LeBron James, there is no chance I'm going to Tokyo. None. Not because of COVID. Not because of not wanting to win a gold medal or represent the country. Because I'm too damn old and too damn tired. So I think that that will happen. I think you're going to see a very interesting Olympic team if the Olympics even happen. I can't believe I can't watch LeBron anymore. I guess I'm going to watch the Jazz. Who are they playing, Coca? It's the Suns against somebody, against the winner of the Mavs and Clippers. That's tonight. And I can't remember the other series because I'm completely blanking. I'm under pressure because we're live. Ah, whatever. I'm moving on. I'm moving on to Tom Brady. I got a story to tell. Every year in baseball, there's a draft. It happens in June. It's called the Rule 4 Amateur Draft. And every year there's free agency. And that is happens after the season, five days after the World Series, free agency begins. And every year, players came up to me, every year without fail, to talk about players, other players, bringing in players, trading for players, signing players, young players who they heard of, who we should draft, Hey, did you see this guy who went to Stanford with me? Or I saw at Stanford. He's after me at Vanderbilt. What about the high school in Chatsworth where I was? You got to look at this guy. Go scout that guy. What do you think of that guy? You going to draft him? I love that guy. And that's baseball where the draft is a absolute shot in the dark. Even first round picks only have, let's say, a 50% chance of making it to the big leagues. So players would give me the suggestions. They give suggestions to the GM and we would, for the most part, ignore it. And the reason why we'd ignore it is that scouts in baseball have a unique skill 
And I don't mean analytics. I don't mean robots. I mean scouts using their eyes and their ears and their mouths to talk and listen to players and coaches and families. Scouts have to have something called projection where you look at a player and you can project where he's going to be. I'll never forget when our scouts said, hey, don't worry, Christian Yelich is a scrawny kid, but we're going to take him in the first round, and that guy's going to win a batting title and a home run title one day. And I would, and I looked at Yelly when he came to the ballpark to sign. I said, that guy? Because he was a kid. He was a high schooler. Think about when you were in high school. Go back and look at a picture of yourself in high school, and then look at a picture of yourself when you're 30. And you'll say, I wouldn't have figured that to be the case. But in baseball, that's what you have to do. When a pitcher's throwing 86, 87 in high school, you have to be able to say, this guy's going to throw 94, 96, 98, and we're going to help him with his mechanics, and he's going to be a big league pitcher. You have to believe it. And scouts, in the, with their experience and their ability to see things that we as lay people cannot see. That's how it works. Scouts see things we don't see. So suggestions made by players... Thank you. I appreciate it. It's maybe a family connection, maybe a friend that you want to bring over. Whatever the case may be, I'm not interested. Word came out yesterday that Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were counting on Tom Brady for help as they scouted wide receivers in the college football draft. And all I kept thinking about was how insane that is. What does Tom Brady know about scouting college football players? Now, the interesting thing is when you're drafted in college football in the first round, you're going to be on the big league team immediately, and you're supposed to be an impact player on the big league team immediately. Totally different than baseball. So I could argue in football, there's not as much projection. So Tom Brady is out there looking at wide receivers, and that's about the skill they're going to have in the NFL, in theory. So he can say, oh, that guy looks like he can run routes for me. That guy looks like a smart player, a good player, a quick player, a tall player, a strong player. I think we got to bring him in then why are there football scouts? Why is there a combine? The reason why you can't have your players scouting for you is that they don't know how to do the damn job, even Tom Brady. Just because I can talk for 45 minutes and do a show with you every day doesn't mean that I know how to produce it and put it out in the atmosphere for you guys to listen to. Just because I'm a lawyer doesn't mean that I should be the one representing you if you are charged with some sort of criminal or civil lawsuit. We've talked about why players don't make good executives, right? You know my view on Jordan, terrible. Jeter, fine, maybe, if the rebuild works. You know LeBron has demanded certain players get traded. Who is the guy Come on, Coco, work with me. Are you thinking about it? Are you searching it right now before I even say it? He asked the Cavaliers to draft a player. They drafted him, and then he left the Cavaliers. And that player ended up being no nothing. And I have no idea who it was, but Coca does. Give, give it to me, Coca. Do you have it? You do? I can't hear you. Napier? Okay, a guy named Napier. Shabazz Napier. These players think they can all do it. And teams feel when there's a superstar telling you what to do, you have to acquiesce to your superstar. No, you don't. Why don't you tell Tom Brady, don't scout wide receivers for me, stay healthy, keep doing your off-season workouts outside of the team facility, 
keep doing whatever you do to keep that boyish look. Keep being the great father and quarterback that you are. But we'll do the drafting. I wonder when Bruce Arians called him. Did it go like this? Hey, Tom, it's, it's Bruce. You're not busy, right? Any responsibilities? Because I really would love it if you would scout some wide receivers. And Tom said, oh, it's my pleasure. I'd love to do that. Can you send me over some video? No, no, you have to actually go to the combines and you have to go watch them play. Oh, no, I'll do it on TV. I'll, I'll just watch it on TV. Well, listen, Tom, we're going to draft whoever you say. Or did it go the other way? Did Tom call Bruce and say, you know, Bruce, I don't want to be home so much. I need to find something to do during the offseason. I got to work out. I, get me a new playbook. Let me meet with Byron Lefwich before I'm allowed to. I'll do anything you want. Can I do it? Will you let me do it? Is that how the call went? I think it was something like this. Bruce Arians wanted it to be very clear how additive Tom Brady's been to the Buccaneers, but why? They already won a Super Bowl. It's obvious how additive he is. He won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his first year in Tampa. It's unheard of. You don't need to have him scout. <sighs> not sure why that's happening, to tell you the truth. I'm really not. Okay, Coke and I are going to have a disagreement when we come back. And the disagreement we're going to have is that I watched a movie that is absolutely phenomenal. And Coco won't watch it. And after that, we're going to talk about Johnny Manziel, who went scorched earth. And boy, did he ever go scorched earth. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. I'm coming to you almost live, not for 24 hours. I'm sitting on two pillows and a comfortable tushy cushion. I'm sitting up straight, I'm wide awake, and I'm still not on the damn Levitard poster. That's okay. I do watch a movie every day. I review a movie every week, a Levitard review movie every day with you guys, TV show. I watch every day, it's business, right? Isn't it great when what you do for a living is what you love to do? I've been lucky my entire life. I've talked about this a little bit. I actually want to talk about it for one second, if, if you'll indulge me. The luckiest people in the world are people who get paid to do what they love. The unluckiest people in the world are the people who get paid for doing what they hate, and they do it because they have to. I've always worked, and I've always loved what I've done. I've always been proud of what I've done every stage of my career, whether I was on Wall Street or whether I was delivering newspapers, whether I was working in baseball, whether I'm working with CBS, working with Coca. 
I've just have that sort of modus operandi. I love what I'm doing and proud of it at all times. And if you can be that lucky, then you'll never be tired. If you can be that lucky, then you'll never have a problem getting out of bed and going to work. And if you have a problem getting out of bed and going to work, if you have a problem because you don't like what you do, while you may feel trapped, I would like to suggest to you that when I was starting off and had nothing, I never felt trapped, took chances. What are the risks? Failure. What does failure do? It's the precursor to all of your success. You got to fail. You got to change the status quo. Just think of John Voigt every day, would you, from National Treasure, when he's kidnapped and they're looking for the treasure, and he says to Nicolas Cage, remember, son, the status quo. Don't change the status quo until you know exactly what's happening. My view is a little different. Take a chance. Change the status quo. Change your life. It's not too late. It's never too late. I don't care how old you are, how poor you are, how rich you are, how unhappy you are. It's never too late. So one of the things I love and I work it into the show is watching a movie, watching a TV show. And I get suggestions from you. You rate, you review. Thank you. You follow on Spotify. You make us one of the top ranked shows. I love you for that. But what I love as much is that you give me movies to watch that I never had heard of, didn't know existed. And when five or more people at one time give me a suggestion, it moves to the top of my list. I heard from over a score of you, more than 20 of you told me to watch something called Bo Burnham's Inside. I didn't know who Bo Burnham was. I never heard of him. And then I saw his face and I said, that's the guy from Promising Young Woman. I didn't know he was a comedian. I'd never seen one of his shows. And he had his new show on Netflix called Inside. I didn't know one thing about it. You tell me to watch it, I watch it. So I sit down yesterday and I start watching it. It's an entire movie, 87 minutes that he edited. He was the cameraman. He was the star. It's a one man show done during the pandemic, but it's not like a Chappelle comedy show. It is a show about music, about comedy, showing him in an unbelievably lonely emotional state. There is talk of suicide that I don't think was meant for humor. It was meant to reflect what a lot of people were going through and are still going through. And there's always help available. There's a phone number you can call. There's a suicide prevention hotline. If you're ever feeling like you're alone, you're not. Make that call, please. Bo Burnham cries during this show. He comes up with some of the funniest songs that he sings, including one about white women on Instagram. And spoiler alert, what white women on Instagram do to make you feel as though your life sucks and their life is awesome would knock your socks off. And he does a parody of that in a way that should make everyone feel good. It's an 87 minute show that is one of the best I've ever seen. And that's not hyperbole. And Coca said he doesn't eat broccoli. It's the best broccoli ever. I don't eat broccoli. Why don't you try it? I don't eat it. He doesn't like Bo Burnham, so he won't watch it. 
Why would I watch something of someone I don't like? And my answer is maybe you'll like it now. Maybe your taste buds have changed after COVID that what you liked now is different than what you didn't like before. How do you know that's not gonna be the case, Coca? Don't you think you can give me 87 minutes? Coca's lying to me when I told him this before the show as we're preparing for the show today, talking about Levitard and talking about Bo Burnham and talking about Johnny Manziel. Coca said to me, you know what your problem is, Samson? And that's what he calls me when he's pissed because he, he thinks I call him only Coca when he's pissed, but I just call him Coca because he's Coca. You know what your problem is? He was like, you're just a sucker. You don't, you like horrible movies. Movies are rated like 15% on Rotten Tomatoes and that's what I go by, but you love them. You're wrong, Coca. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I am more of a man with you as a woman than I've ever been as a woman as a man with you before. That's from Tootsie. <laughs> I have no idea why that's in my head. I'm tired of you criticizing my movie choices, Coca. I really am. I'm just done with you. I'm not really done with you as producer. I'm done with you as my movie guru, though. By the way, have I not given you several movies to watch that you've liked? And you've given me several movies to watch that I've liked? Haven't I earned enough respect from a movie standpoint when I say to watch Bo Burnham's Inside that you're going to watch it? Probably not. Johnny Manziel, Heisman Award winner. Have you ever heard of him? Johnny Manziel is a 10-time All-Pro quarterback. He won three Super Bowls in the NFL during his career. He was a huge star in college and an even bigger star in the NFL. One of those rare Heisman winners that somehow can translate his talents into the NFL. He was given an interview yesterday and what he said will fascinate you because it fascinated me to say the least. He admitted that he got paid during college. What do you mean he got paid? As in cash money, cash, as in Benjamin Franklin's, as in he was given the keys to a safe and inside the safe were bundles of cash. And he wasn't dealing Coke or crack or meth or pills. His weapon of choice was right here. Are you looking on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel? which I'm not threatening you to subscribe to, but it'd be nice if you did. Levitar said, subscribe. Everyone subscribes. I've never gone on Twitter and said, please subscribe to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, or I'll send my pit bull to bite you, or I'll send my father to kill you. What kind of crappy videos were those? In any case, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, just hit subscribe. Someone, Coke, added a suggestion on a side note that at the end of the show, can we put something on YouTube that says, don't forget to click subscribe? Because often people are watching bits and pieces. They're listening, they're watching. They wanna see what you look like, what I look like, but then they don't hit subscribe. Anyway, I'm holding a pen. The pen was the weapon of choice for Johnny Manziel. Manziel. Is it Manziel or Manziel? Is it like Idina Manziel? So it is Manziel. Is he related to Idina Manziel? I think that's totally spelled differently. Maybe that's not the way to pronounce her name. Hold on, let me get Travolta on the phone. In any case, the pen, mightier than the sword. He was paid money to sign items that would then be sold, and he was given cash. He claims he was given $30,000, $33,000. He's full of it. He was obviously given a lot more. 
people heard this and started reporting on it. It became a big story yesterday. Why it became a big story is that everyone knows that something happens, but no one's ever admitted that it happens. And then someone says that what you know always happens actually happened and it still becomes a story. Can you explain that to me? It's like confirmation of the sun rising in the east when somehow someone says to you the sun rose in the east and you say, man, that was really up in the air. I wasn't sure about that. Thank you. I'm now confirmed. Well, you knew it. You didn't need Magellan to tell you that. You only needed a compass. Do you think you needed Johnny Menzel to go on radio and say that he took money as a college player and that you said, oh my God, he's the only college player to have ever done it? They all do it. Anyone who can get paid anything, whether it's in barter with a car or clothes or jewelry or homes, you think it only happens in the movie Blue Chips? Memorabilia is a multi-billion dollar business. Remember I've told you about the people who wait outside, team hotels, who come to spring training with things that they want the players to autograph and I would always get into arguments with the players when they walk past the autograph seekers and they would say, I don't want to sign, that's just going to get sold. And I said, you walk by 10 kids, can't you sign an autograph for the kid? And they say, that kid is being paid by the adult who's standing 20 yards away under the tree. That kid gets me to sign. He then gives the autograph to the guy who then sells it and gives the kid a dollar. The kid doesn't even get to keep the autograph. So all these people and these memorabilia companies who try to get for free what normally they'd have to pay for, that's why often players won't sign autographs, even when people really just want it for their own collection. It's such a huge business. So if you're in college, you're saying to yourself, this is horse hockey, man. I want to get paid. So you go into a room, you turn the lights off, you sign a bunch of things. Then you get a key to a safe. You go, you take the cash and you go on your way. And then you do it again. And then again, with name, image, and likeness coming up, and it is coming up, players will get to do it out in the open. A bunch of states are due to pass laws here in July to allow college players to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, which means they can get paid legally to sign memorabilia. Is that going to take away all these backroom deals? No, there's still going to be more. Johnny Manziel, not a big fan. He really had a terrible career. I'm glad he admitted he did this though. Was I surprised? No. I'd like you to decide for yourself. Part of what we do on Nothing Personal that I enjoy doing is giving you two sides to a story and then having you think about what side you want to be on and then advocating for that side. I don't often say what side I'm on and then advocate for you to be on my side. I actually want you to learn every side of every issue and then decide for yourself. The NIL issue in college is a big deal. Paying college players is a big deal. Having college players become employees is a big deal. Allowing college players to unionize is a big deal. What about college sports do you like? That's what I'd like you to think about when you're watching college football or college basketball. Do you like the fact that they're amateurs? Do you care that they're amateurs? Is it different when you're watching the pro game and you know they're making millions of dollars? Does that mean you expect more of them because they're older, but not in all cases, or because they're richer in most cases? Do you like the underdog story? 
the kid who's a good college football player who you know will not translate to the NFL, but he is lights out in college, like one of the quarterbacks who can also run, or a Tim Tebow, or a college basketball player like a Bobby Hurley. There's many others who are really cool in the NCAA tournament and then never make it to the NBA. So what is it about college that causes you to be willing to bet on the games, to watch the games, to buy the memorabilia and the jerseys and the sweatshirts and the shirts. And you know that money is not going to the players at all. When you buy a pro jersey, you know that money bleeds to the players at some point. You know that everything trickles down. I know you guys get upset when I talk about trickle down economics because you don't believe in it, but it happens. Believe me, owners take not all the dollars they get, but many of them and pay them to players who are professionals. But there's no incentive in college. Maybe you get better recruits. So you give them a little stupple, a little something, the house, the car that we talked about, the jewelry, the memorabilia, fine. But that's not real pay. You decide where you stand. Nothing personal pick of the day. The Lakers lost. We're only 22 games over 500. We're still in the positive, way in the positive, 76 and 54. The Lakers get bounced by the Suns. Everybody's working. I'm not singing Loverboy twice in a week. I just sang that song, I think. But I do know I'm giving you picks for the entire weekend right now. Nothing personal pick of the day. If you're not watching the Mavs game tonight, then you're not a fan of the NBA. First time since 1995, thank you to a loyal listener of Nothing Personal to point out, it wasn't Coca, it was a listener, that in 1995, there was an NBA series where the road teams won the first five games. Well, now the Mavs are trying to close out the Clippers, trying to be the first team to win at home in this series. And they're getting two and a half points. It's like Christmas in June. The Mavs are closing out the Clippers. Bye-bye, LA. Mavs plus two and a half at home. That's my pick for Friday. Saturday, I, I want you to watch a little baseball, please. Dodgers are playing the Braves. What's interesting about this series is that both teams are underperforming. The Dodgers are in third place behind the Giants and Padres. The Braves are behind the Mets. The Braves are below 500. The Dodgers were supposed to win 175 games this year. Kershaw got rocked in his last start. He's pitching against Charlie Morton, who was brought in with his World Series pedigree to help the Atlanta rotation take the next step to the World Series. And he's been only okay, which makes you realize that maybe the Tampa Bay Rays know way more than you do or I do about when to let a pitcher go. You know, I'm just kidding with you because we all know they know more than we do. You never want to sign a player who the Rays have let go. You never want to do a trade with the Rays because whoever they're trading is going to stink. And whoever they want from you, you better not trade them to the Rays because he's going to be way better than he is for you. Morton's not had a good year. Kershaw is up and down. This is a must-win series for both teams. Why do I say that? because the Dodgers need to start playing as though they are the 150-win team. The Braves have to get back to 500, but Kershaw will rebound from his bad start, and they will beat Charlie Morton and the Braves on Saturday. That's my Saturday game, Dodgers over Braves. Sunday, guess who's playing for the first time this season this weekend? Red Sox-Yankees. The Red Sox are in first place. The Yankees can't hit. They've got Domingo Herman going on Sunday. 
yeah, that guy, the suspended guy for domestic violence, the guy who I said is not going to get 20 starts this season. What number start is this for Herman already in June, by the way, Coca? I didn't look. I should have looked. I apologize. I was too busy texting with Levitard in the middle of the night. So let's pretend Herman has started six games so far this season. We're fading him, and we're fading him hard. Red Sox over Yankees. This will be his 11th start of the season. Uh-oh. Do you realize that we now are in danger of losing that Domingo Herman? Wait to see if he stays healthy and, and keeps his hands to himself. He's going to get more than 20 starts. All right, we'll see what happens. That's a wait to see. The Red Sox, I call them in first place. There's a correction there in second place. Of course, Tampa is the first place team. I think Tampa has the best record in the entire American League. But the Red Sox over the Yankees. That's the Sunday pick. Fading Herman. And then I felt like giving you a bonus pick because I want to get four picks because I really want to go 4-0 to get to 80 wins. 80 wins is like a magical number of baseball. You want to get to 80 because then you're one away from making it to 500. So you just want to get to 80 as quickly as possible. So I have a bonus weekend pick. There's a playoff series in the NBA starting. It's Bucks nets I had called the Bucks over the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Nuggets over the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals and then the Bucks over the Nuggets in the NBA Finals. That was before the season started. Well, I can't get it completely correct because the Bucks are playing the Nets in the second round. The Bucks are getting four from James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. The Bucks' big three of Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis, compared to the Nets' big three of Harden, Irving, and Durant, that's not even close, right? You got to give the Nets the complete advantage. That's why they're favored to win the title. Giving Giannis four points when he's rested? I'm trying to decide, is Durant going to cover Giannis? I don't think so. Bucks plus four is the bonus pick. It's just too many points to... Give to the Bucks. Those are my four picks. Is everyone clear on that? Mavs plus two and a half Friday over the Clippers. Dodgers over the Braves on Saturday. Red Sox over the Yankees on Sunday. And then the bonus weekend pick. Bucks plus four against the Nets. So wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And then we wait to see whether it does and we revisit it. I want to talk about today. Today is June. What day is it? June 4th. I'm trying to remember the number of managers in baseball that we had fired by June 4th, but it's fewer than 10 and more than one. June 4th is when you start looking at your team. You're a third into the season. April and May are past. You start thinking about what you are, where you are. You look at the stands, standings. <laughs> We're always looking at the stands, although not for cardboard, cardboard cutouts. And you really have to evaluate where you are. And the question is, in Major League Baseball, who is going to be the first team to look at where they are and say, we shouldn't be there? And given the fact that we shouldn't be there, we need to make a change. This is the time when managerial changes are being, are percolating. Presidents and owners are talking about it. They're going to the GM and saying, hey, we got to win three of our next five, four of our next six, seven of our next 10, or we got to make a change. Our season is going too badly and it should have been going better i know what to do a change i gotta wait to see there's going to be a managerial change here before july 15th the trade deadline is july 31st some manager's going to get fired and i've got four possibilities the diamondbacks are managed by tori lovello and boy do they stink 
Now, you may be saying to yourself, they were supposed to stink. And the answer to that is yes. But I know something about the Diamondbacks that you may not know. Ken Kendrick, the owner of the Diamondbacks, will go to his president, Derek Hall, before every season and say, we're winning the title this year. We got a World Series team this year. And Derek would say, "Eh, I'm not so sure about that. Going into this year, the Diamondbacks had zero chance of performing. Zero in a loaded National League West. But the level of delusion on the ownership side in Arizona is so large that Tori Lovello may very well get fired by July 15th because the Diamondbacks are struggling. What about David Bell? Hot choice to be the manager of the Reds. Remember the Reds had Luis Castillo, that big trade that we made, trading Luis Castillo, the end of the world as we know it. You're the worst, Samson. You traded Chris Paddock. How's he doing? Luis Castillo, how's he doing? I think Castillo's having a bad year, Coca. The Reds, when they brought in Bauer, remember, before Bauer left as a free agent, they thought their window was open. They signed Moustakis, Castellanos. We're going to win. Well, they're not winning. They're below 500. David Bell, you may have a slight problem. Third team, Brandon Hyde, Orioles. They're in the middle of a rebuild or at the end of a rebuild. They actually don't know where they are in the rebuild. What I do know is that Brandon Hyde is not going to be the coach once the manager, once the rebuild is done. The Angelos sons who really run the team because their father doesn't run it anymore, they're fine. But at some point, don't you say it's enough that we're so bad year after year? I think Brandon Hyde may have a problem. And my last one is my most disappointing manager to watch on the hot seat. I don't know what happened to the Twins. I don't know why Nelson Cruz is so bad. I don't know why the pitching has fallen apart. I thought Berrios would be a Cy Young candidate. I thought Maeda would continue to do well for them. They're doing so badly, they're going to sell, except there is a possible chance. There's a possible chance that they're going to fire Rocco Baldelli and think that he's the problem and not the players and them hanging on to the players for an extra year. I think it's a big way to see. So the general way to see is there's going to be a managerial firing before July 15th. The specific way to see is it's going to be one of those four managers, Diamondbacks, Reds, Twins, Orioles. Wait to see. Well, that's the end of another week. Another week. I have to go nap now because when I wake up, I'm going to have to decide at what point I'm going to interrupt Lebitard's 24 hours. Make sure you listen and download to this show. Subscribe to Nothing Personal on YouTube. Then go to Lebitard's YouTube channel and see what they're spewing for 24 hours straight. See you later, Dan. And send me a framed poster, would you? It's just business. I know it's nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.